What's up? This is Matt Franco. And this is Eric Dittleman. Welcome to Mind Over Magic. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Matt. You've had a busy week. Yeah, this is cool because we kind of can go back and forth on this first topic here because we both kind of came from these these TV shoots over these past couple days. Yeah, we were both uh, in front of cameras this week, which is uh, it doesn't normally happen. I mean, you 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 we've I've been adding things to the video vault, so you're definitely more in, the, in front of the camera than I am. And I've got four <laughs> more uh, videos I'm gonna post uh, hopefully this week, uh, but eventually I'll have more to contribute. <laughs> sure, hopefully as well. But uh, you you can't go into the specifics about yours. Do you want to start with your? A TV project first from this past. Well, week? I think it'll I think it'll be interesting to kind of bounce yeah. back and forth. So okay. I don't need to I don't yeah. need to hog the territory here. But um, I did have to fly out of town. I finished a show on Saturday night and then um, flew out first thing in the morning, 5 a.m. alarm, and uh, arrived on set. Again, I can't say exactly what it is, but I I think I can say it was um, it's a soundstage. So it's like the same place where they shoot entertainment tonight and the talk and things like that so it's kind of a cool um place to be and i went straight from the airport to the dressing room they didn't even take me to the hotel in between i love it was that a little bit of a r- everyone's googling to see what productions are in that yeah so right <laughs> <laughs> yeah no <laughs> let it be a surprise um Anyway, so I went straight to the dressing room and like I didn't want to just sit cooped up in there like waiting to rehearse or anything. So I just went for a little stroll around the lot, which, yeah. you know, I just get some steps in. I don't know if it's like you're supposed to do that, but I, I didn't want to just like pace around the room in, in a small circle. So I went for a little stroll. Now they're hacking your Nike run app to see where your location was. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, man, it went really, really well. I think it'll be sort of, I think it might even be some sort of unprecedented territory. I will say, I think I sort of lost count of the standing ovations that took place during this short five-minute act. I think it was three. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned before last week, this was a little bit of a collaborative performance, which was really, really fun. It was a ton of work going into it, but the energy in the room was fantastic, and I had a great time. Like in the end, it was worth all of the hard work, um, and people will be able to see this. I think in the coming months now. Right, right. W- what you were working on taped in New York, I believe, and it was sort of a, a pilot of a concept. Yes and no. Uh, it okay. was. It started as a pilot, and it, we ended up. I think they said they're filming like a, they they essentially filmed the whole series. But oh, they did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I posted about this on uh, my Instagram and social media and, you know, even the people that were, you know, able to come to the show and see the live taping know about it. So I think I can freely talk about it without, you know, without spoiling. Yeah, yeah, it's public. I yeah. don't think we did an NDA anyway, so okay. <laughs> I think we can talk about it. But it's, uh, it's a, a magic live showcase show called Underground Magic here in New York. They did two nights of tapings, a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night. Now they had two shows per taping. There was a seven o'clock show and a nine thirty show. But within each of those shows, they split them into quote two episodes, which had right. three performers on each. And it was mm-hmm. a lot of local New York people, but it was a lot of people who flew in from across the country and some international as well. 
Uh, but it was um, at the uh, filmed at the Triad Theater, which I think I had a leg up on because I've done my one per person show there. My I've done my full stage show, so I was already familiar with the space. Uh, also, past listeners can remember that was one of the many locations of the the show, the Rose Room that I did. <laughs> uh, so I, I knew the space very well and intimately. So I was very comfortable on stage. Uh, I wasn't taping until Wednesday at 9.30 in the second episode. And I was the okay. middle act. So I was the second to last act to perform of the entire production. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> so there was a lot. Now, I was supposed to be in Georgia on Tuesday, which is one of the reasons I was filming Wednesday, but that show got postponed. So uh, mm -hmm. Georgia State, I'll be there eventually. Uh, <laughs> we'll look, be on the lookout, Georgia State. Uh, but it was nice to not have to like worry about flying back and making it in time for the taping. And uh, I got to go Tuesday night to get the lay of the land and see what it was all about. So it was nice yep. to, you know, get a live audience. They had everyone, you know, um, uh, you know, the ticket holders. And I think there was some like on TV casting calls as well. But it was a, mm -hmm. a fresh audience. It was it was really they were excited to be there. They were a good audience. Uh, I was interesting in the uh, earlier shows. There was like more kids than I expected for like a late night on underground show. Right. But they kind of just threw them up in the balcony. So they weren't in the show. Sure. <laughs> um, I was actually glad I was there on Tuesday because I'm sure they would have caught this eventually, Matt, but uh, Tuesday was election day, and a lot of people were wearing their I Voted stickers. Right. So I just casually said to the producer, I go, hey, just as a reminder, do you want to like tell them to take their I Voted stickers off so this is a little bit evergreen, so when you right. do ship this around, yeah. know, it's not only airing in November? If you were <laughs> the only person who noticed that and not a producer, that's not a great sign. No, I'm sure they would have <laughs> seen it eventually. <laughs> okay. But I was like, I just had the forethought to mention it. And they're like, oh, good call. Good catch. Yeah, so. well, let me ask you this. Here's my main question mm -hmm. on this. Yeah. I mean, this this show, mm -hmm. many things could happen. I mean, this could literally be the next big magic hit. It could. Yeah. It could never sell. Oh, could, anything yeah. could happen. There's a lot of things there that are, and even the producers were like, there's going to be a lot of action. They're going to be kind of shipping it and selling it to different places, uh, trying to sell it in like the new year. So, like the next couple months, you're probably not going to hear a lot and then hopefully some right. more traction. But you could follow their, their social media because everyone's, all these production companies are looking, or like um, networks are looking at social media impact as well. So, if you go to, I believe it's Underground Magic official uh that'll mm -hmm. help if you follow those accounts and you can see right. updates from the taping and everything but what but, is but your question I, yeah what i'm asking here is i want to get an idea of like what your sort of prediction on what the vibe you felt like like for example i don't know that you know when they were on the set of the original karate kid i don't think they had any idea the magic that was happening in front of those cameras sure that would that would live on you know three decades later did you get the feeling like this could really be a thing or did you kind of feel like oh this kind of just feels like we're going to try this and see what happens it was experimental what what did you walk away thinking were you kind of optimistic of like yeah this thing could really take off or or hey who knows but i did my part um i'll tell you what it looked gorgeous so it has a good ch ch chance i think mm -hmm. i mean i i feel like the production company they worked with um you know my my friends are the kind of the magic creative side and they paired with a production company that has done a lot of you know comedy specials and so forth so they they have a success rate of selling specials and series in the past so that's good that they have the networking 
and and uh, and they clearly knew what they were doing. What was unique about this show, I think, compared to like some of the magic shows that are on TV now, it's not competition based. It's a showcase mm-hmm. show. And it's mm-hmm. a small, intimate theater, so part of the fun is the vibe of the live audience there. Like, the, yeah. l- the audience is, you know, the, everyone coming into the theater, they have the notices up. If you're here, you we can use your you, and you could be on right. TV, right, sign over the leases, all that stuff that's standard with TV. But, um, but using them as, like, oh, we're going to pan over into the audience and just pick random people like it's a live stage show. We're just capturing mm-hmm. that energy of a live stage show. So they had cameras everywhere, like eight cameras, some on sliders. It right. looked gorgeous. And I'll tell you what, uh, as acts, it was we didn't want to be in the shots, obviously, so we were either watching in the balcony or in the back of the room. I spent most of the time watching from the video village. So I got right. to see the director calling the shots and making – you know, the initial edit, which they're going to change in the, you know, actual edit after the fact, but like mm-hmm. making sure everything is captured and just seeing how it's going to look before it makes it to wherever it's going to end up. And it looks pretty amazing. It looked right. really good. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Again, it could sell and sit on a shelf for three years. You never know with, uh, with you know, the entertainment industry and that business, but uh, I think it's got a good shot. And like the lineups were incredible. Everyone did an amazing job. Uh, mm-hmm. I was a little just kind of like uh, antsy. I wouldn't say nervous, but antsy that I was going last and like with, you know, an audience sitting there and watching so much magic. If they'd still be fresh by the time I got out there. But as soon as I hit the stage and just like had a blast and did my thing and just, uh, you know, I, I think the, the great thing about this is they chose acts that are like working all the time. So they right, just come exactly. in and do their thing. And there wasn't a X lot of legs. notes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of adjustments and like tweaks and like the notes from the higher ups that can happen with a TV show and like change this. Right. Thing. So it's like, we'll do this, do your thing, and we'll try and edit it to make it the best thing and, and try and sell it that way. So So the one video vil- the one part you didn't get to sit in Video Village for was was obviously your act. Correct. Yes. Which which is interesting, right? Because like by the way, and is normally, that a term people know? Video Village is like where they have well, let's all explain the. It. Yeah, it's like a big monitor, but it has all the different camera feeds. So the director can actually, they're all in headsets and can say to the camera operator, like, can you get a close up of this guy? They're constantly mm-hmm. talking and they're switching cameras. Uh, there's a, the, one of the, my favorite museums here in the city is the Museum of the Moving Image. And they actually have a display of like a director calling shots live, like on a live broadcast. So you can see mm-hmm. kind of what that's like as one mm-hmm. of their exhibits and i got to see it live as it was happening you know yeah in a real recording so they call it the video village because it's just a bunch of videos that you can see all the feeds from yeah but it's usually like off site so it's in the back room you know right not, not in the theater obviously but yeah. right yeah so kind of the same here and, and a lot of times i'll have tiana with me for example and she'll she'll actually record a monitor for me so yeah, when i step yeah. off stage somewhere whatever the show might be and i and i and i can watch it back and see what, you know, what decisions were made by the director in real time and make sure the magic looks good. Yeah. Tiana wasn't able to make it this time around. Um, so anyway, I haven't seen the final cut or anything like sure, that. Sure. Um, I did, I did take a look at a rehearsal, mm-hmm. which was helpful. Um, but just, you just kind of have to go by the energy in the room and how you right, felt and right, it felt right, great, right. but just because it feels great, you don't really know what was captured. But I trust that I trust that they all, you know, on the production side, they did a they did an amazing job. Um, so it felt really good. Walked away happy, 
And it sounds like the same story coming from you. Yeah, yeah. My friends like, that were there. Like, did the act go the way you wanted it to go? Yeah, for the most part. There's like a little couple things. You know, it's you it can always be a little nitpicky, but overall, it went really good. I was really happy with it. Uh, and I'll, I always feel like whenever something's yeah. being recorded, like like even yeah. if we're just recording a commercial for my show or something, it's yeah. like, oh, why did this happen on this night? Right, right, right. And it's a live <laughs> performance, so it's not like you're gonna stop and redo anything. There weren't really right. any pickups because they wanted to keep that live energy. There was mm-hmm. a couple just of like you know the acts some of the acts um like you have to stand and let the curtain close in front of you as they were doing it uh and some acts like walked off stage so they're like oh we got to just redo that so everything's consistent you know so right, those were the right. only pickups but no one was like redoing part of their act or anything like that right it was all fresh one take kind of thing uh so whatever happens happens <laughs> which right, was great right which was you know that's that's the experience of coming to a live show so it just happened to mm-hmm. capture that element you know that lightning in a bottle so uh the friends that i were there you know were very supportive and said nice things about my act so that helped too <laughs> you mm-hmm, know having mm-hmm. the outside source and having people you trust uh, and then when my friends were on, I tried to get like behind the scenes and like photos of the monitors and just send them because like, right. I always know as a solo performer, it's tough to get some cool promo shots, even stuff to put on social media. So I always try to do that as a favor of my friends and, you know, hope that, you know, they'll do the same in return. So they were in the yep. audience for when I performed. So I got some good shots of me in the audience, you know, from mm-hmm. the back of the house. So that that's mm-hmm. cool, too. So. Uh, those are uh, currently on my story. I'll probably put like a more permanent one so people can see on my social media as well. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed that it gets picked up and uh, we'll see where it airs. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to do their thing now. And I just wait to hear. And, and hopefully, hopefully at some point, regardless, we'll get the, the footage to put in the video vault. <laughs> hey, this is this is kind of funny. During my uh, performance for this shoot, I had to walk up and down what I would call stairs of death. What what are stairs like really steep stairs? Nope, um, uneven <laughs> oh. stairs with like strange sort of um, in in sort of darkness. But like, I think some of them must have had like LED tape or something of the li- uh, of the like. Sure. That like made it difficult to tell where the steps were, and they weren't equidistant from each other or equal size. Yeah. In terms of like the width of where you're stepping on, and they were laid out in a really strange way that I've never seen before. So. And I had to walk up and down these um, stairs of death four times during the act. Oh, wow. For the blocking, it sure. had to be done that way. Sure. Um, based on where cameras were and where I had to be. Four times, you know, down twice and up twice. So as soon as I got there and saw these stairs, I said, hold on, I have to practice going down and up these <laughs> stairs. And I did. Okay. Yeah. And um, that didn't stop me from taking a monstrous fall no. in the middle of rehearsal oh in the okay. middle of now it wasn't actually during yeah, was, the rehearsing the say, act yeah. it was just like milling around deciding you know little minutia things kind of working yeah. on the blocking that i was just casually walking and took a serious fall <laughs> um but it's so, a good thing and i was that walking and talking during the the taping like the live no yeah, yeah that yeah, didn't yeah, happen yeah. during the taping but like i had yeah. to walk and talk wow you know to camera while i'm do, doing the stairs it was you know, not I literally before before taping and there's a live audience there. I I say to the stage manager, "How how long until we go on?" And he's like, "About a minute." And I was like, 
okay, I have to go practice the stairs again. And literally, you know, 30 seconds before that we're rolling, yeah, I, I'm, I'm walking up and down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> making it to my spike mark just in time for the intro. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. Um, so there's that little uh, pro tip, careful on the stairs. It, was, it felt like a beauty pageant when they have to like walk down the stairs, but still be smiling at the camera. If you've ever seen that yeah, yeah. in heels, you know, I was going to say, um, at least you don't have to do it in heels, Matt, at least right. this time, <laughs> maybe, maybe down the line, maybe next time. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing that part of the process was, and, and you have experienced this. We both had experienced this with past TV shows of just, uh, the music selection and mm-hmm. because it was live, I wasn't sure at first like whether they were going to pipe in music into the house or just do it all in post. Uh, but I kind of wanted the energy up and I use music in my live show to help, you know, in the volunteer selection phase so that it keeps the energy up. Because sometimes you're like, I need someone up on stage who's thinking of this and it might take a while, especially in this taping, too, because they tell the audience members like, hey, if you're used for someone Try not to volunteer for someone else because we don't want people at home just thinking you're a plant that's just there to help all the magic acts. Right. So of course. there would be moments where you'd be choosing someone and they were like, we're already up and they're going to edit around that. Uh, some people are actually said, I need to find someone who hasn't been used before. And I'm like, I'm not going to say that personally, but, you know, they can. Yeah, because it around. might not read to right. the home viewer what exactly, that means. Exactly. Exactly. Or they'll cut that out regardless. But um mm-hmm. But I decided to have music playing as an underbed live in the house, and I think that helped. Now, normally the track I use is from a friend's band, so like there's licensing releases for that. But I wasn't able to get a hold of the friend in time. And like I think the band is kind of disbanded, so I don't know really who owns the rights to it. Whatever. But uh, they sent me to a royalty-free music page, and we found like a replacement for that. Now, the other song I use is Jackson 5, I Want You Back, which I knew they couldn't get the license for. Mm -hmm. So what they do is, uh, like, find a -a look-alike, like a a sound-alike song Mm -hmm. enough. I mean, the joke isn't there because I'm doing it as, like, a little punchline for, for something I do. But, you know, I still wanted that, like, musical hit. And actually, it came in a little earlier than we rehearsed. But Matt, it didn't matter because the build of it like led up to the moment of the reveal, and then oh, that's it great. sounded like almost perfect, like it was right. So they, like there was a little things that could have been adjusted if we had more rehearsal time or whatever, and like little things that I'm always improvising too because like capturing those moments. You never know how people are gonna react. You never know what they're gonna be thinking. I'm always trying to make connections. It all seemed to like work out with like a few tweaks I would have made, but like overall super. Super great. But um, what was interesting, too, is some acts, um, they actually, one needed specific music, and they brought in a keyboard player, and they piped in a live keyboard player from the Video Village was playing, and everyone could hear it in the theater. That was really mm-hmm. cool. But uh, And then some people, they, they took tracks and had a composer compose something, not just use a royalty-free, already pre-made music, but like to compose something that sounded like the music they were used to using. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, how much music do you think about when you're doing these types of acts? Do you let it up for the production? Or it all depends, obviously. But like, there's this whole royalty-free aspect of television that I don't think a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, I've done it, um, I guess, all of the above I've yeah. done. So I've had pieces of music composed specifically for... Um, 
certain things like certainly that's what we were doing during um the tv special where we had sort of a Mm-hmm. theme that that occurred several times throughout the show but with different instruments that was composed for it um so that's kind of interesting um i've used mainstream music that the rights had to be acquired for right. as yep. well many mm-hmm. many times um i've used library music many many times usually if it's like an underscore like a bed of music just almost like not even there um and also i've like a forever this, land for example um <laughs> But then there are examples of like this time where I said, look, I'm happy to find a, it just needs a little bit of an underscore, um, better music. I'm happy to work with one. However, I'm also happy to do it in silence so that you, you all can add whatever you'd like in post to tailor it to the act, which is, um, the option we ended up doing. So kind of done all of those different things. And I, and it really is just case by case. Um, but the music choice is so important, obviously, because it sets the tone for the whole thing. So, um, yeah. For- and even my live show, I use a lot of music, of course. So of course. sometimes it's just a bed of music subtly in the background. And when it's not quite right, I know it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to think about making those changes. For me, because I knew there was a live audience there and I wanted mm-hmm. it to read in the house there that was live first. I was mm-hmm. like, I want this music in rather than pipe it in after, you know. So I kind of fought for it uh, to have it, and I think it helped my act, especially by comparison to. I was one of few, like maybe three or four acts actually used music, and everything right. else was kind of silent, other than applause and you know the actual uh, the routining of their their sets, you know, and talking. But I think it just created this energy that was, you know it been able to capture it on film that might read to the viewer wherever it ends up so was there a warm-up guy for the crowd or no no uh we had todd robbins hosting so he did a lot of the interstitials in between and got the audience but would he be seen on the show he would right yeah he'll be seen uh i don't know if they'll be re-filming some of the stuff because he did you know just kind of mc work while the the acts were changing as well so like Mm -hmm. you know for different because there were different audiences there were some like repeated lines and bits which Mm -hmm. you know they'll edit around of course and make it fresh but you know kind of like the old trick he's the host he's wearing the same thing regardless on both days you know yeah they can splice things in and out uh but there was one of the producers came up before the show and just kind of gave a lay of the land welcomed everyone he he's got a background in comedy too so he you know was getting them laughing and you know talking a bit yeah it's interesting because it sounds like in this shoot you were doing the audience was kind of a character in the show exactly yeah so so you kind of had to play to the audience not just the cameras and some Mm -hmm. like talk shows and Mm -hmm. things you do the audience is there but they're almost not there's like a warm-up person right that almost hovers over them the whole time so like you can literally just do everything for the host everything for camera and the audience is like sort of an unwilling participant in a way mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah um they're just observers they're not really interacting yeah and like yeah. when they're supposed to clap they clap when they're supposed to laugh they laugh and it's almost like you know the old applause signs that right. you see yeah, yeah. light up um sometimes that's the case this sounds like it wasn't that case and then other times like this was an interesting one too that uh this week because even if i wanted to ignore the audience i couldn't because their mm-hmm. energy was genuinely right uh, present. I mean, yeah. they just had a really strong presence um, even before we started the taping. 
right? Mm-hmm. So like it was it was interesting. Even if I wanted to avoid what was going on in the in the room and play just to cameras, I couldn't because there was a live audience there. So as yeah. live performers, we we react to that and our energy changes Absolutely. based on that. Sometimes you have to a little more on the gas or a little less on the gas, you know? The yeah. the exterior yeah. conditions were different because of the because of that live audience. So that was that was kind of cool too. Um the night before I flew out, mm-hmm. I have to tell you too, it was a very it, it was very cool. I had um a couple of special guests at the show. Oh, did you? At your live show in Vegas, yeah, before you Yeah, so this is like the the the, yeah. the very night before. So I'm, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. 5 a.m. to fly out. Um, but the night before was a Saturday night. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I don't think I saw it. You've not no. told me anything about this. Yeah. No, I haven't told you about this. The creators of Cobra Kai were in the audience. What? <laughs> and they yeah. know you're a fan. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y- yeah. It was great. And they're, they're working on a new production they're working yeah. on it and they're taping some stuff in Vegas and. So, um, give them the creators the of the show as well as treatment. some of the writers, huh? Give them the old backstage treatment. Yeah. 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 We got to finally meet in person because, right. uh, we, we'd been in touch just a little bit, um, over time, especially from when I did that video with Joe Esposito mm-hmm. of you're the best around. Um, but anyway, we, we joke that we're occasionally like almost like a Cobra Kai podcast because right. we're fans of that show. Yeah. Uh, so you know how exciting it was, uh, to finally be able to meet those guys. I'm just wondering, Matt, are you are we getting breaking news that you're going to be the latest karate master in the new season of Cobra Kai? Is that where this is well, all building listen, to? Well, listen, listen, from what I understand, it's not written yet. I don't oh, think so. Okay, okay. But right. I think no matter what happens, I'm still a karate master. Oh, okay, you know? I see. But I'm saying in the next season, <laughs> you're saying it's not a it's not a no. It's not a it's not a it, impossibility. It might be a no. That's not a question yeah. I would ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not an it's not out of the question. <laughs> listen, as I always say anything is possible, but um you know, just just instead of looking ahead in that way, uh, it was just kind of cool to celebrate the moment and uh, and have those folks there and some of the uh, actors and folks players in the game of, of this new thing they're working on too um, came out so that was that was really a, a cool moment and an exciting way to kind of go into my next day there this is the pitch Matt this is the pitch the cast of karate uh, the Cobra Kai you, know, you have a good one you have jo- a good idea Johnny Lawrence brings his you know his dojo Daniel San brings his dojo to Vegas where they're all competing uh-huh you see some shows the rivalries get tense in the audiences they start a fight breaks out in your audience and then up on stage and you got to get involved too and do a little karate chop action to defend yourself and separate the kids from fighting. I'll tell you, I like this idea a lot. <laughs> I like the idea of a fight breaking out in the audience because I've had that happen before <laughs> at a college in Massachusetts. I'll, I'll just leave it there. Um, we may have talked about it before. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Uh, um, so I've had that happen, so that feels right at home for me. And it's important that if I'm to play a role in any such, um, mm-hmm. I, I have to, in any such show, I, you know, the, the character can't stray too far from who I really am, right, as we right. know. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like you've sort of painted a, a yeah. character that's yeah. very similar to me in real life. And I can play that role really, really well compared to, 
you know, say having to do a Southern accent and pretend to be related to Dolly Parton. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so give me the producer's numbers. I'll send them the idea. Or just this episode, and we'll hopefully it'll happen. Or just this episode. We'll send them the whole there episode. There you go. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's switch gears over to uh, Diddle Me This. You ready for your riddle? Let's go. Diddle me this, diddle me that. Will Eric end up stumping Matt? Riddles! All right, this is more of a lateral thinking puzzle, but I think you will like it. Uh, The boss of a storage warehouse had just arrived at work when one of his employees burst into the office. The man explained that while asleep the previous night, he had dreamed that one of the boxes in the storage contained a bomb that would explode at 2 p.m., causing a terrible fire. The boss was skeptical, but agreed to investigate. After a search, a bomb was found in the area foreseen in the man's dream. The police were called, the bomb diffused, and the tragedy was averted. Afterward, the boss thanked the employees sincerely and then fired him. The man who lost his job, the sacked man, had not planted the bomb and his prophetic dream had saved the warehouse from destruction. Yet the man was right to f- the but the manager was right to fire him. Why? Was that a riddle or a novel? Uh, it's a long lateral thinking puzzle. <laughs> um, Do you what wanna, were the main beats there? The there main was a beats. Bomb, there's a there's an employee. It. There's an employee uh, yeah. who had a dream. That there was a bomb in the warehouse. He went to the manager. He said, hey, I had this dream. The manager was skeptical, but investigated anyway. Found the bomb. It, mm-hmm. The dream was correct. Found mm-hmm. the bomb. Stopped the bomb from exploding. He thanked the employee for this, you know, warning him. And then fired him immediately. Yet the man who got fired didn't plant the bomb. It wasn't his fault. And he actually saved the warehouse. Yet the manager was right to fire him. Why? Did Why? the manager defuse the bomb? Or did the, no, the They called the, the police. Dream. They called the police. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't the guy with the dream who went and did it. No, right? no, no. Went no. and defused it. So the manager is the one who... S- was actually trying to sabotage the business. And he is the one who set the bomb, and he feared that this dreamer with psychic powers would know that, so he had to get rid of him. Interesting take. Uh, <laughs> no, no, the manager was very thankful. He was happy. He thanked him for, th- for stopping the bomb. On the surface. Oh, you think there's some deception going on underneath? That he, yeah. Why would he want to ruin his own? You think there's insurance money involved? Or you wanted to? You know, why would he want to? Well, blow I up can't his, get into the motivation. Wor- I wouldn't speak to that. I don't know. <laughs> but he feared. Mm-hmm. You got to look at the motivation here, Diddleman. Yeah. He feared that he was going to be outed by this guy, so he had to get rid you of him. You think it was the manager? That's I mean, it's a very clear answer. Yeah, he had no choice to get rid of him. That's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the buzz on that one. <laughs> okay. And I hope you can prove it. What do you got? All right. So here's the answer. Uh, th- wh- what wh- what happened? Wh- how did the guy know the bomb was there? What what told it, him? It was in a dream. Yeah. And he was an mm-hmm. employee. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what happens when you're dreaming, Matt? You're sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were he- sleeping on the job? <laughs> the manager knew... <laughs> That because he said it was he saw it in a dream. Mm-hmm. So the official answer is the fired employee was the warehouse's night watchman. 
He should have been awake all night at the security duties, having a dream prove that he had fallen asleep on the job, and for this, he was fired. Yeah, that that's, you know, on the surface, that's what the manager wants you to think. <laughs> he the had to come up manager. with a reason as to why he fired him, and he was yeah. very clever to go with the whole dream route and the sleep route, but, like, we all know what the manager was actually up to. When you're sleeping on the job, even though you save a company, and that, that's a grounds for... For dismissal, I think so. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's do a uh, trivia. All right. Matt picks up the question, then he stares at it. Eric's at the ready. Time to use his wit. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Trivia, pressure, trivia time. What type of animal is a Flemish giant? Flemish giant. Neither of those words indicate an animal to me. Flemish is a region, don't ask me where, or a language, I'm not sure. It's a capital F. Yes, and a giant. All right, my instinct, uh, You do you have choices or no? They I, were I, not provided. Okay, I have a guess without choices, but I would like, are you going to make up choices? You usually give me choices. If you need me to. Okay. Or a hint, for, so to speak. All right. For some reason, I don't know why I'm saying it, but I'm thinking of like what's like a large animal that's like a, like it might be an unusually large one, but not normally large. But a Flemish version, Flemish giant could be like this is a rare breed that grows larger. And I have like certain ones in mind, but I'm thinking of a more fluffy one. And uh, I think I've seen a large rabbit. So I'm going to go a bunny or a rabbit, Matt. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. <laughs> Are you shocked I got that? <laughs> Amazing. Well done. I even checked to make sure I hadn't asked this before. No, yeah, yeah. No, it's just for something pulled from the back of my head that that sounded familiar. I, I can picture a guy holding like a giant rabbit in their in their hands and it's like way bigger than a normal rabbit. Awesome. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> the largest domestic rabbit. Um, Matt, I saw a show this week. We're going to change gears again. Uh, some Mike Birbiglia's new show, uh, nice. at the, uh, at the Vivian Beaumont theater at Lincoln center, uh, you know, where the Met is and everything. So it's, it's on Broadway. It's a Broadway production. Um, well, this is interesting too, because it kind of talks a, a little bit about what we, the, the sad news we were able to, to bring in, um, last week, which I also want to touch upon. Uh, but, uh, it's a, it's a show about death and mortality as the like major themes of it um and uh i mean mike did an amazing job it was so good uh but it was it was really interesting to watch the show literally days after the news about max maven had passed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so it was in a way very like cathartic to process it and you know see how a comedian approaches these big questions and his health and being there for his family and legacy and and you know uh it's called the old man in the pool and basically he talks about uh when he was a kid and like looking at the older people at the y you know pool and in kind of the the gauge of of that whole mentality compared to like 
wanting to get involved in swimming for his own health benefits and being there for his daughter, like I'm saying. But it's just like he goes on all these different diatribes about what that is. And it was just really profound and hilarious at the same time. Sure. Uh, and I would recommend it. Like his, his last show, the new one I saw on Broadway, was all about birth and his new daughter. So this one being like the opposite end of the lifespan spectrum was an interesting just juxtaposition uh mm -hmm. and uh and you know he was very f other things that just come to mind I, I didn't really have anything really specific to to talk about about the show but just like different elements that stayed with me uh were like the, the beautiful set design first of all was a giant like swooping wave but it mm -hmm. looked like the bottom of a pool tiled <laughs> And mm -hmm. he's super physical throughout the show. Like he's down on the ground, laying down a lot. He talks about, you know, getting involved in wrestling and sports and all this other stuff. And then he's like running up the side of the wave at one point. And um, mm -hmm. there's a there's a moment in the show towards the end when he wants to he's telling a story about um, someone who passed that had some unusual circumstances of how he passed. And not to give away anyone, by the way, spoiler alert, if you're going to the show, I won't go into specifics, but there's like a weird psychological experiment that happens with the audience where he's trying to give this person a moment of silence. But because of the way he set it up a little bit, he's like, we're going to give a moment of silence. Everyone's still laughing and he's waiting for the audience to get quiet. But because it's kind of like that church giggles where you're laughing when you're not supposed to laugh, it gets funnier and funnier. Right, right. And there's wow. a good, it felt like 10 minutes. I'm sure it wasn't right. 10 minutes, but towards right. the end of the show, it felt like this moment we were just sitting in that was like this awkward yet hilarious. And like the way he created this was mm -hmm. so brilliant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it goes into the final beats of the show, which is another surprise moment that took me by, you know, just startled me because I didn't expect the ending to come there. And then it was just like, wow, looking back, it's like, how did all those pieces fall into place that it almost ended like a magic show? Like, it right. was like, how did this all come together at once? So right, right. I recommend the show. I might go back and see it again. Cool. Um, and obviously, yeah, I have a connection with Berbiglia from our, you know, if you go back to the Berbiglia story episode of our podcast, you could hear the whole thing about how he was my camp right. counselor. But he spotted me in the audience. He waved no uh, on the uh, um, on his way out after the bows. And then he that's even funny. commented on my Instagram. <laughs> He's like, I saw you there. So that was yeah, nice. that's awesome. Very nice of him. Uh, but yeah, man. And it's poignant and funny and there's bits what's interesting is he's he's got his own podcast he does mm -hmm. a show called working it out where he was working on this during the pandemic mm -hmm. so it's interesting to hear pieces of the show right. that i had heard before that he was working out and then right, seeing where yeah. they slotted in he did some things from his virtual pizza party that i attended during covid lockdown <laughs> that were some pizza jokes i was like i remember those but to mm -hmm. see how it all came together and the new pieces i'd never heard was just so fascinating and it was like really a great way for me to think about you know processing all the feelings and emotions i was having that week anyway with max mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. that was i mean the two together yeah it was it was something i'll remember for a long long time and i definitely recommend if you get a chance because he toured it around the country first but this is the right. start of his new york run uh mm -hmm. but if you can come see uh Berbiglia's show old man in the pool um, but um, but the other thing, Matt, I wanted to touch upon. Did you get to see Max's post? 
I'm not sure. I might have seen someone shared it. I don't remember. So just to clarify, he's talking about Max Maven, who's a legendary Mm -hmm. mentalist who recently passed. Yeah, you can listen to our last episode where we talk about the impact he had on both of us, but especially as a mentalist, I felt a strong connection as him being the first ever mentalist I ever saw. Uh, But um, uh, the story I was relayed was uh, Max was very aware of Animan, who's another legendary <laughs> mentalist from the turn of the century mm-hmm. uh, who would send out a postcard or not would he did send out postcards posthumously after he died to his right. friends. I feel like you and I have talked about that. Yeah. And Max, I guess did the modern equivalent. And after he had passed, after we had talked about it on our recording in the podcast, so I hadn't mm-hmm. seen it yet. He then, there was a post from Max as a farewell. Goodbye on his Facebook and social media. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like him speaking from beyond. And I, I was very moved by it, so I wanted to share Let's his words, it. if that's cool. I don't know if yeah. you got, got to see it, but uh, I, no, mean, I don't I'll, think so. I'll try not to tear up every time I read it. I okay. Do, but, uh, <laughs> um, I made my, this is from Max, posted the day after he passed. Um, I made my life about words, reading them and writing them. I wish I had a more elegant way of telling you all that I love you. I had a good run, made wonderful friends, shared many laughs, and I learned a great many things. I learned that magic allows us to be so much bigger than we are. I learned we should be kind to one another and forgive people for being flawed and prideful. The one thing I know is that we can all do better, and I think we will. So, yeah, very powerful. Uh, words to live by, to forgive one another and to do better and mm-hmm. having that hope that we can. And, and even just the fact that, yeah, magic allows us to be bigger than we are. We're all playing at something bigger in this, you know, mystery art form that you and I do. And, uh, and to have those words as someone so knowledgeable of Max, uh, like I said right. in the last episode, like losing the Library of Alexandria <laughs> of magic, you know, right. being the most knowledgeable person and having this as his final takeaway, I think is just super, super powerful. So anyway. Very much so. As I wipe tears from my eyes. <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Oh, um, man. I, I just, uh, I just finished reading um wise guy by harry anderson who passed in just Mm. just a few years ago um and there was some interesting stuff in there that i wanted to ask you a little bit about um are you familiar with harry anderson's work at all yeah i mean was a fan since Cheers and well, Night Court. He, and <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? He was known as an actor, and that's part of what I mm. want to talk about because he really was a magician first and foremost. He was a street performer. Harry the Hat, um, yeah. Harry the Hat, and like when he did his first appearance on Saturday Night Live, he was like right off the street. He did many appearances on Saturday Night Live, eventually host Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. um, and got cast in Cheers as like um, not a regular cast member, but someone who would pop into the bar mm-hmm. and as as this person. And because he had been cast in Cheers, he then started getting sort of scripts from mm-hmm. agents or man, whoever would send them yeah. over. Do you want to read for this? Read for that? Come and audition for this. And I read, you know, in this book that was written by Mike Caveney back in the 90s. Um, so much has happened since then even. Right. But um, that not a single role did he get that he went and read for. <laughs> oh, very <And> funny. <laughs> just sort of gave up on kind of any of that. Um, and there was a script that came in and he threw it on the floor and someone he was hanging out with that was at his house, like picked it up and read to him the description of the character and the character's name happened to be Harry and 
the person said, you know, do you think you could play something like this? And he said, when they read the description, he said, no, I can't play it. That is me. And yeah, like literally exactly. the character that he ended up playing Harry Stone in Night Court was a version of himself. And he, not for a second did he ever doubt that anyone else could be cast in that role. And he did. Mm-hmm. It went on for nine seasons. It was a huge yeah. hit, yada, yada. But so the interesting thing is here, you know, he then became better known as an actor than mm-hmm. um, magician because then he went on to do Dave's World and lots yeah. of other things, movies, you know, you name it. But one of the things he had written in the book that was written in the 90s um, through Caveney was that he felt like he was kind of on this similar trajectory trajectory as, say, Penn and Teller as they were coming up in the 80s. Right. Yes, yes, yes. But he sort of got pulled out of it for this acting thing and then became famous for something else. And then people were surprised to find out that he was also a magician right. and he was envious. <laughs> Really? What are your thoughts on this? He was yeah, like that he wasn't known more for a magician or yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I, I I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Like mm. I don't know. Let's say you got hired as a game show host that ended up being this huge hit game show, and then like it was bigger than anything you had done in the past, and then you know people were finding out later, like as a secondary thing, your involvement in magic, mentalism, what have you. Like, the- how do you think you would feel about it? That reminds me of like the tongue in cheek response I saw this weekend uh, about parody because the the Weird Al movie came out and Weird Al posted, he tweeted, he goes, so uh, before Daniel Radcliffe came to fame as portraying me in a movie, a little known fact, he was a boy wizard. Right, right. (laughs) So it's a little bit of like tongue tongue in cheek that way of being, he's trying to make it like everyone forgot Daniel Radcliffe's past, (laughs) which I think is so funny. Right, uh, but uh, but yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I always tell people like even uh, career wise, when I see when I do my colleges shows, I was like, you might have a plan and a path, but you never know where that's gonna take you. Like, I went to school to teach music, and now right. I I say it during my show, like now I do this for a living, pointing to the duct tape over my eyes. So it's like you never know where you're actually gonna end up and what passions are gonna take you where. Uh, so you kind of get or opportunities or opportunities that may or may not yeah. be huge passions of yours, but are like, yeah, how do I say no goes. to that? Yeah. Let's see where this goes. It might be a thing. It might not. And then if you blow up from that thing is why, why it's nice to diversify at times, but like, it's interesting if it sounds like, uh, from, from the book that like he almost wanted to be more famous as a magician and he just happened to catch this acting thing along the way you know right and it's almost always the other way right it's almost always like you know if you take someone like michael carbonaro who was Mm -hmm. like you know in movies and stuff yeah and that's not what he's known for because eventually he did the carbonaro effect and now he's known as the guy from that show that like you know you feel typecast right as this magician now i feel like it's more often that than the the magician who fell into this acting career that is like no I'm a magician damn it <laughs> right well it's also interesting too because you know when you do auditioning processes for all these Hollywood type things you know they have specific character types they're looking for and the fact that they just happen to have the exact character type that he fit it's like he just is yeah people are looking for him to play that role whenever that role came up and you know whatever project needed a con artist type street magician type guy you know right like he was just the perfect fit so they that's why he got work and that happens with a lot of character actors that you know are sometimes accused of being the same type of person in every type of movie you know they they do like you know Well, well that that was the other thing he believed in strongly like he believed that on stage the things you're doing shouldn't just be appropriate for your character Mm -hmm. He believed that everything you did on stage should be 
motivated by your character. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. That's right? the, There's a subtle difference there. The reason of doing things. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. you do should only be motivated by whatever your character is. And anyway. And, and um, that goes for stage performance, book. too. And I think that's the thing where I see. That's the what real, I meant. Real, yeah, where the real pros that I see that I look up to, it's everything aligns with, you know, the way they move, the way they handle the prop. It's all character driven. And it, you, you can easily see that um that uh disproportionateness when it does not fit someone's character because you're like this isn't sitting right with me for some reason uh why is that and it's like oh that's inauthentic to who they are and what they're portraying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so anyway i was just like curious like would you i guess i guess it wouldn't hurt to explore an opportunity if it did sort of come to you based on other things you had done but you never know. You could end up in a nine-year you know, right. hit show that you're like, what am I doing here? Yeah, but then you can always pivot again. I mean, even True. just like some celebrities that are like, you're a magician that did the Magic Castle, like Jason Alexander. You know, it's like right. George, George Costanza. Like people didn't know about his background in magic. Talk about typecast, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I think most of the characters in Seinfeld have felt that, right? Yeah, you're right, 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 right. A- see, actors are very used to feeling it. Mm-hmm. That's why I say mm-hmm. it's like the other way around. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> I, I think it's always sort of the grass is greener, right? It's right, always right, like wondering right. what could have been or what's <laughs> on the sure, other side. Sure, sure. But like never in a million years did it cross my mind. And I always knew Harry Anderson as a magician, not mm-hmm. the guy from Night Court. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, as it, as it fits into recommendations I, we, mm. we kind of do a little section on recommendations sometimes in the episode but it just ties in too yeah, tightly let's here jump into that um this is on youtube okay so and it's a rare special um that i this is the this was my introduction to harry anderson it was called tricks of his trade and it's for free you can watch the entire special on youtube everyone knows harry, magicians know harry anderson from his original special hello sucker and maybe the one the year later called sideshow um, but the lesser known one was like my favorite. The one that I grew up watching and loving Harry Anderson for was called tricks of his trade. And I have it on VHS. I digitized it to like preserve it. Um, but now it's actually YouTubeable, believe it or not. Someone else put it out there, which is amazing that it lives there because this was after night court and it used all of his knowledge of like TV and celebrity connections you know, John Ritter's on it and so on. And like, um, he had special guest performers that he kind of grew up with on the show. Uh, it's just a great special, 40 minutes of your time. And, you know, if you enjoy laughing and good entertainment or magic, it's it's a great one to watch. Harry kind of what I would call in his like experienced prime. That's great. That's yeah, that's amazing. Um, look at you doing a recommendation that relates to our podcast. Because <laughs> my recommendation was not related to magic at all. <laughs> I don't think it needs to be. No, it doesn't need to be. But uh, now I'm trying to wonder if I should uh, rec- change my recommendation as Wait, well. why? Are you that self-conscious of your no, recommendation? No, 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 no. But I mean, uh, what, what is it? Now I need to know. <laughs> I was uh, I was just going to recommend Andor from Disney+, Plus, uh, the Star Wars uh, prequel, which I've been enjoying a lot. I think it's probably one of the best Star Wars uh uh, new releases over the years, uh, you know, since the original trilogy, because it's like 
kind of more about building up the rebellion and it's like any type of thriller action movie you like whether it's a prison break or a heist it's covered in the series and but in the star wars you know blanket over in the star wars universe so i'm just i think it's a great show that everyone's raving about but no one seems to be watching so i just want to spread the word and be like check out this Star Wars thing. No one's watching anything, gentlemen. Like, it's well, everything so problem. segmented and spread yeah, out. Yeah, it's just, yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's... But that's a blessing and a curse. That makes it all the more likely for this thing you tape to have a platform mm-hmm. to exist mm-hmm. on. There are a lot of platforms, you know? So that's that's the thing. Uh, I'm also going to recommend, in the vein of being topical to what we talk about here, uh, and I don't know how long it'll be up on YouTube because it's only like some pirated stuff. So, But you can find, I won't link it directly because I'm not about pirating stuff. Uh, but I As do, you recommend a pirated thing. But I'm just saying if you Google search, you can find probably on YouTube <laughs> Um, Max's uh, Max Maven's Mind Games VHS that came out where he can actually he interacts with you through the screen. Um, uh, I have a VHS copy of it mm-hmm, myself, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, worth checking out to see the masterwork uh, as we honor his uh, his life. In all fairness, I'm sure that my recommendation is also technically pirated. Right? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> things exist on youtube uh whether they're supposed to be there or not uh, but uh it's so good it's but so it, good. It, it is worth seeing and uh and uh, and and respecting these late greats mm-hmm. yeah you got um, it sir matt let's jump over to goals your goal is to stick with more fitness yeah that that i'm on par with so i'm a month and a half into this thing still recommending that nike running app i think uh, i think you in particular honestly would enjoy it i really do I know right. you said like you were worried like oh if it's too hard this or that you actually said something like that but like I, I think am it's worried. perfect for a beginner. I am worried to use it. I so I'll tell you Matt one of my goals was to continue running and revisit Max Maven material so I, that's why that I, which I did. Uh, mm-hmm. But the uh, I did go running. I went running Matt. Okay. And, and did, you, um, did you run to music or nothing at all or I just kept with the music because right now I'm like. I feel like even the beginner for this Nike app is too advanced for beginner for me because I'm I literally promise you, running. It's free too. I'm running the like straightaways on the track and like walking the roundabouts. And even That's fine. That, yeah. But I it's all like... measured on your effort. So if he says okay. run a three out of 10, it's your three out of 10. Oh, okay. You know what I I'm like saying? That. It's all based. It's all effort based. And like, he's mm-hmm. very clear, like not someone else's three out of 10, your three out of 10, you know? Mm. Yeah. So like it's a it's it's really um it's worth a giving it a try. Perfect. I still use it, you know, and it gives room to grow too. But anyway, um uh, yeah, that was I'm doing well with that. So now it's about cre- keeping the creativity going because I'm okay. sort of in a little bit of a studying and creative mode with uh the new content for the show, working on new lighting design and new set design sort of elements and things for the revamp coming up in January and magic so just kind of keeping those creative juices flowing i like that i'm gonna try and get back uh, to running it was so nice the day i went running matt it was like 70 here in new york and now it's like beautiful cold again <laughs> so i gotta figure you gotta out go like 3 p.m or something when it's like sunny yeah 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 well, i mean yeah. that's that's tricky to do when i'm like getting ready to go out for shows <laughs> but uh yeah excuses are easy they are easy <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll try and continue running and then still going to try and do some video taping. I think that's just an ongoing goal. So I'm going to punt my goals for next week. 
to you be got the it. same. Uh, Matt, what do you got coming up? Plugs. Oh, you know what's funny? I did the funny. I was catching up on cameos mm. the other night. I had the funniest thing. I went on and um, the cameo request was, uh, you just had this person on stage tonight. Mm-hmm. I ordered a cameo from you one year ago for their birthday. Today's their birthday. Nice. And one year ago, they were at your show, and you selected them on stage for the same bit again. Oh, so funny. It, we talk about that all the time, is this certain people give off certain energy that you're looking for. I'm blown away. It like, happens, The yeah. odds of being picked are very slim. You're talking hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of people and very few actually getting to go on stage. The odds are already slim. Now you get picked. Now the odds of getting twice in a row and for the same bit, it's like so slim of that happening. Mm-hmm. Yet here we are. So that was a really fun one. So um, I'm on the Cameo app. If you want to, um, if you want a shout out for anyone, if you want to make someone's day, uh, those are always really fun to do uh, for different events, birthdays, shout outs, what have you. And of course, I am performing nightly at the Matt Franco Theater at the Link Hotel and Experience in Las Vegas. Tickets available now wherever you can find them. Ticketmaster.com, mattfranco.com. Do your thing. What What are the odds that you're performing in the Matt Franco Theater? Well, those odds are good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on any given night, actually. Yeah, so the yeah, odds yeah. are, the chances are in your favor I'm that just you saying, might find me. It was so convenient that of all the venues you could have been performing in, you happened to land in the map. And all Franco. the names they could have used. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can come check me out in new york city um i'm popping on to speakeasy magic every now and then over at the mckittrick hotel uh i'm also going to be at the midnight theater uh throughout the rest of november on tuesdays on the uh the 15th 22nd and 29th so come check me out i've been hosting the shows uh it's been we're having a fun time it's a beautiful venue uh also i'll be in uh oregon at a casino in december uh, and uh, a couple other shows in January that I'll announce, but all tickets and information are on my link tree through my social media as well. Plus, you can visit ericdittleman.com to book me for shows around the country and uh, fly me out to perform for you. Um, but, Matt, we also got to thank our patrons. We keep mentioning that video vault, and you can get access to that video vault by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash mindovermagicpodcast. Uh, at the top two tiers, you get access to see all those videos we were talking about, a TV experience. Uh, but we couldn't do it with our producers at the highest level there. We can uh, thank Dr. Bob Baker, James Dawson, and Jesse Miller. Thank you so much for being there. Um, Absolutely. And uh, if you want to write, we want to hear from you. We always like hearing from our listeners. You get to steer us in whichever way we want to talk about as well. If you give us a question or a topic you want to know more about, uh, you can write us an email at mindovermagicpodcast at gmail.com, which, of course, you can see on our website at mindovermagicpodcast.com. And hit us up on the socials, mindmagicpod, uh, wherever you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, so forth. Is that it, Matt? Did we cover everything? I think we did. It's official. It's now over. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it.